Hey there friends, it's Nick with episode 319 of the Story Hacker podcast and the 17th and final part of the hero's journey from uh, Joseph Campbell's book, The Hero with a Thousand Faces. And now I'm going to do the next episode, I'll do a kind of a a quick retrospective look about at the whole thing and how I feel about it now, having reread the book. But here we are at the final stage. And if you remember what we were talking about in the last episode was the master of two worlds, the hero becoming the master of two worlds, the the ordinary world and the mythic kind of world. And the result of that is really this last part of the, the story, which Campbell titles Freedom to Live. Now there's some... Um, Again, it's not a long chapter, but I'm going to read you some pieces from it because I think, you know, one of the things about this journey as we've got deeper into it, obviously, is that we are very, very heavily into symbolism here. And um, I guess I'll talk about that a bit in the next episode and how I feel about that. But this is what Campbell has to say at the start of the, the final stage of the hero's journey, freedom to live. What now is the result of the miraculous passage and return? The battlefield is symbolic of the field of life where every creature lives on the death of another. A realisation of the inevitable guilt of life may so sicken the heart that, like Hamlet or Arjuna, one may refuse to go on with it. On the other hand, like most of the rest of us, one may invent a false finally unjustified image of oneself as an exceptional phenomenon in the world, not guilty as the others are, but justified in one's inevitable sinning because one represents the good. And I think, you know, that's interesting. That To me, that speaks to how so many of us sort of feel when we have that kind of ego, that self-centred nature, that, um, you know, there are moments in all of our lives, right? And obviously I include myself where we think, oh, it's okay. I, it's okay for me to do this because because I've got a higher purpose or a higher need or whatever it might be. Um, Campbell says, such self-righteousness leads to a misunderstanding not only of oneself, but of the nature of both man and the cosmos. The goal of the myth is to dispel the need for such life ignorance by affecting a reconciliation of the individual consciousness with the universal will. And this is affected through a realisation of the true relationship of the passing phenomena of time to the imperishable life that lives and dies in all. So this is sort of where we've been heading, I think, in the in that sense of the kind of the the difference between the the timeless bliss of the kind of the mythic state you know when when we've gone through that atonement with the father and we've we've got our our ultimate boon you know we we, we've seen that some heroes don't come back from that they choose to stay sort of uh, unchanging but but in some sense perfect and what Campbell's talking about here is the way that we come back the way that we come home and become master of the two worlds is to reconcile this idea um the kind of the the shortness of life <laughs> if you want to if you want to quote seneca this you know the shortness of life versus in the shortness of life in the ordinary world i suppose versus the kind of the the ongoing life the ongoing story that we're all part of that goes on 
you know, essentially forever. And he quotes again from the Bhagavad Gita, which I'm probably marmalizing again, but even as a person casts off worn out clothes and puts on others that are new, so the embodied self casts off worn out bodies and enters into others that are new. Weapons cut it not, fire burns it not, water wets it not, the wind does not wither it. This self cannot be cut, nor burnt, nor wetted, nor withered, eternal, all-pervading, unchanging, immovable. The self is the same forever. And, and, you know, I guess it's not surprising as we're in the realm of big, big myth here that this touches on exactly the same themes as, you know, many, if not all, of the religions around the world. This idea of the the kind of earthly life, the earthly body and the the eternal kind of perfect life that goes on, you know, afterwards. And he quotes as well from the, the Ballad of Taliesin, um, and I'll just read you a little bit, it's long, but I'll just read you a little bit. I was with my Lord in the highest sphere on the fall of Lucifer into the depth of hell. I have borne a banner before Alexander. I know the names of the stars from north to south. I was in Canaan when Absalom was slain. I conveyed the divine spirit of the level of the Vale of Hebron. I was in structure to Eli and Enoch. I am a wonder whose origin is not known. I'm jumping around a bit in this because essentially what we have here is this idea that, and Campbell says this, the larger portion of the Bard song is devoted to the imperishable which lives in him. In other words, he wasn't in his earthly life in all these places, but of course he was elsewhere. And, um, you know, there's this idea that comes through this whole chapter and it's summarised here, I guess. Nothing retains its own form but nature, the great renewer, ever makes up forms from forms. Be sure there's nothing perishes in the whole universe. It does but vary and renew its form. And you know what? This is this is so reminiscent, so reminiscent of um, things that Marcus Aurelius says in his meditations. And again, I've got a couple of um, bits here. He says, um, this is from book five of Meditations. Stoic philosopher Marcus Aurelius, I am made up of substance and what animates it, and neither one can ever stop existing any more than it began to. Every portion of me will be reassigned as another portion of the world, and that in turn transformed into another ad infinitum. And then in book 10 he says, and I love this, to, to decompose is to be recomposed. That's what nature does. Nature through whom all things happen as they should and have happened forever in just the same way and will continue to, to one way or another endlessly. And there is a kind of... I remember when I first read that, which probably, probably, oh, I don't know, 10 years ago now maybe, perhaps a little less, but that kind of idea, there is a kind of comfort in that idea. Um, simple as it is, that nature just will recombine whatever we end up as it will recombine it into to something else and um there's a lovely moment at the end of i guess at the end of this chapter freedom to live um you, if you've been if you've been on this journey with me you may remember that in the very first part uh the call to adventure um Campbell talked about the princess and the frog the classic fairy tale princess and the frog and um, here he says, 
at the very end of this. Thus the next moment is permitted to come to pass when the Prince of Eternity kissed the Princess of the World. Her resistance was allayed, and he quotes from the fairy tale. She opened her eyes, awoke, and looked at him in friendship. Together they came downstairs, and the king awoke, and the queen, and the entire courtly estate, and all looked at each other with big eyes. And the horses in the court stood up and shook themselves. The hunting dogs jumped and wagged their tails. The pigeons on the roof drew their little heads out from under their wings, looked around, and flew across the field. The flies on the wall walked again, the fire in the kitchen brightened, flickered, and cooked the dinner. The roast began again to sizzle, and the cook gave the scullery boy a box in the ear that made him yell, and the maid finished plucking the chicken. And uh, life went on. Life went on with uh, the princess and her frog prince, who was now, of course, a handsome, a handsome fella. And this is how Campbell chooses to end the stages of the hero's journey. Now there's one more piece. One more piece. He, he ends this part of the book um, with a chapter called The Keys. And I'm going to discuss that in the next episode, along with, I guess, my kind of thoughts about the, the things that I've loved and the things that I've struggled with on this, this journey of 17 episodes of the podcast. And... Um, some of the things I've learned about storytelling and uh, how I'm going to be applying them to my business and other people's. So we'll catch that in the next episode. I hope you'll join me. Um, if you're new to this the podcast or you've just caught this, this episode, you can head back to episode 301 of Story Hacker and you'll find we're starting there to talk about the hero's journey. In the meantime, thanks for listening. See you next time. Hey, this is Nick. Thanks again for listening. To dig deeper, search for story.business.